Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Wakey, wakey, it's time to get it going with another episode of The Winkly. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and I'm joined here as I am every Wednesday by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Good to be back. Yeah, you know, I was talking to uh, somebody on uh, Twitter the other day. They said, uh, the way you start the show reminds me of Good Morning Vietnam, which it's supposed to because it's an homage. And it, it grows ever more relevant as we wade into the new war it seems like we're having right now in the wrestling universe. Isn't that fun? Uh, I like the... I like the point A to point B to point C that you're creating there. That is a fun, uh, a fun little uh, insight into the uh, producer's mind. That is Nick. Alton. You're right. I've thought about this way too much, um, but I do love this show. I love putting it together, and we've got a great show for you here today. Uh, our good friend Andy Malnoski, who is out in the field uh, and gets us interviews sometimes, we had uh, we had something funny happen. He wound up interviewing Brian Pillman Jr. to show this past weekend. I already had an interview with Brian Pillman Jr. scheduled like two days later. Didn't know it. We already had them recorded. They're both about 15 minutes long. We weirdly talked about largely very different things with Brian. So what I've decided to do today is give you guys a double dose of Brian Pillman Jr. interviews. You're going to get back-to-back interviews with Pillman, one with me, one with Andy Malnoski. You guys can go over on Twitter and tell us who did the better interview or which one you enjoyed more, I guess. I don't know. Or just like them both. Uh, they're great. We're going to have that. And I also sat down yesterday to talk to our own Joey G, who was in Vegas covering the AEW rally for us. And then he was in Vegas again last weekend covering the Impact Wrestling TV tapings and VIP experience. So we're going to talk to I also took some time to sit down. We're going to play that here after the Pillman interviews. Joey G talking all about the AEW rally and what it's like to be an Impact Wrestling VIP and go bowling with Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix and the Lucha Brothers or the Lucha Brothers and the LAX. It's great. It's a good time. You're gonna have a good time. Drink some water. There's a lot of talking. All right, let's get to the news. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. And uh, this one left a bruise. Man, we'll start off here with Ty Dillinger. Uh, Justin, Ty Dillinger. Uh, has revealed on Instagram that he has requested his WWE release. It seems like it's just a choice on his uh, choice on his part because he doesn't think it's best for both companies. Um, so we have not gotten uh, a word whether or not that request has been granted. But what do you uh, make of the fact that Ty is uh, looking to leave, Justin? Well, not really a surprise. I mean, I guess <clears throat> add one more name to the list here. Uh, I can only imagine what I mean. I don't know if it's I don't know if they go to Mark Carano. I don't know. Um, I'd imagine it's Carano they go to first. I'd imagine that that's like the protocol of you you alert him first and then he follows suit uh, with his chain of command. Um, yeah. Just again, we talked about it over and over, so I'll try to find different words to say. It's just I mean it's it, I mean the the amount of 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 the similar situations that WWE is dealing with in the short time span. And again, they hold the, the cards ultimately. They you know they're the ones who have these guys in their contracts. So. Right. You know they can choose, which so far it seems like they have, um, with most people, with the exception of what we think is Dean Ambrose and we think uh, Hideo Itami. You know they they're they're choosing you know, to hold on to people right now and not necessarily grant them their no. requests. What they do here with Dill, I mean, I guess you know it makes you wonder if you know, it, like if they do go ahead and grant Ty Dillinger's request. You know if they, they if they say this week, okay, we'll let you out of your contract. Like 
is that some kind of indication of we can tell like okay WWE feels that this person's not a threat you know or not that big of enough of a threat to to harm them elsewhere to let them go you know do they feel okay Hideo Tommy's probably gonna go back to Japan different continent we're okay obviously Dean Ambrose his contract's gonna run up so they can't do anything about that right That's... it's kind of curious to it's kind of curious to like see how they react to different guys and girls and if that tells us anything about where they how they view that person no a hundred percent and uh with ambrose you're right yeah he's he's just leaving when his contract is up so there's really you know if he just chooses to do that there's not a whole lot they can do it's different with guys like dillinger's requesting his release obviously there was the the story about the revival uh requesting their release right like in their gear after a match against lucha house party in the back or whatever um and now they're the tag champions here um, it's interesting that he would do this so publicly. It seems like he wants to leave. Like, I, I, it seems like, I don't know that, I don't know that they would want to make a, a big offer. I don't know that they see the value in making that big offer to him personally. And I, I just don't know that he thinks there's a deal that could be made here to make him happy. At least that's how I interpret the situation, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, and he's a different situation, um, or a different, a different guy compared to the revival, you know, the revival, um, you know, in, in, in NXT for a couple of years, I know that they had, you know, really worked their way to the top of the pecking order in NXT and in good favor with a lot of the management in NXT and the coaches at the PC. Um, and then, of course, now we're, we're on the quote-unquote main roster. Right. You know, but Ty, Dill- Ty Dillinger's a guy who, <clears throat> you know, has, has been around with WWE several times. You know, trained in Ohio Valley back in the day when, like, Cody Rhodes was trained there. And then, you know, with the company, let go. And then came back, you know, obviously worked out with the with the Perfect 10 gimmick in NXT. So it's like, it might be a case too that might be willing to let him go because they might have truly felt okay. We've we've exhausted whatever attempts or efforts we're willing to put into this guy, um, well, you know. So I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like he, Ty Dillinger was great in NXT. The, the perfect when he debuted at the Rumble as number ten, that was a big moment there. The fans were going nuts for that. You know, there was momentum that could be capitalized on there. And I look back on what he was doing with Randy Orton on SmackDown before he went down with injury. And I, I saw a spark of something there. You know, it, it didn't grab me. Obviously, like Kofi's on this, you know, giant rocket ship ride we'll get to right now. Somebody who got warmed up didn't grab me quite the same way. But I saw something there. I saw an edge to Ty Dillinger. And it did seem like they were going to at least try something with him. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, it did seem like at one point they were willing to, to give it a shot. I don't know if maybe they've backed off or, or saw that as it wasn't working and, and they aren't going to go back there. Maybe he knows that, you know. Well, look, I mean, if you're in WWE... Um, or even NXT, obviously. If, if, if you're on the top level of NXT, the top Tory brand of NXT, or if you're a more SmackDown, I mean, obviously, you're talented to a certain point. You know, there's nobody that just flat right. out <clears throat> sucks that's, that's there. You don't get there. Um, so you can make a case that almost with everybody, if, you, if, if, they, if they just, you know, even for that, that, that brief moment you just mentioned with Ty Dillinger, uh, with Randy Orton stuff on SmackDown, you know, almost anybody, if, 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 you put them, if you put them front and center on one of your main shows with one of your main company uh, you know, stars like an Orton, you know, most anybody's going to see some glimmer, see some chance. It's just a matter of, okay, does WWE feel that this is going to translate in a big enough way? Are they going to, are they going to just captivate an arena full like wildfire, like Kofi Kingston just recently has, or are they going to translate into WWE film material or today's show material? Like, you know, it, it, and then there's just all the different, you know, political, you know, angles of how it gets played and doesn't play. Did, did, did he sit in the wrong place? Did he not shake somebody's hand? Right, game right. Somebody's not supposed to. Yeah. There's, I mean, it, it's it's amazing, and, and and some fans know of this, some fans don't. It's just amazing, how, um, how many things affect one decision that you know most of us are not privy to. It's just it's unbelievable. 
Well, uh, this, of course, leads to where would he go? Uh, Obviously, it seems like AEW is the place that everybody's eyeing right now. Cody Rhodes commented on his uh, Instagram post or or tweet, uh, you know, said he loved what what Ty Dillinger was doing, sticking up for himself like that. Um, I uh, was looking earlier on Twitter. I saw uh, Ryan Satin was uh, talking about how Cody and Ty, I guess, are very close. I didn't know that they were close friends, I guess, at one point. They were pitching to, to be a part of a stable together in WWE and had made vignettes. So, I mean, it, it seems it seems pretty transparent to me that this guy wouldn't like to go be with his friend having fun at AEW. Uh, the math here works out where I think if he got released this week, the 90-day uh, non-compete would run up like just before uh, double or nothing. So, I mean, fig- I mean, I think for this guy, it's fingers crossed. They'll probably do something like make him wait six more days and then release him so he doesn't have his contract come up till the day after double or nothing, you know? Yeah, and and, and the math of a 90-day um, stipulation is very important because, yeah, because obviously, um, you know, Ty has gone public, but we don't know. There might be four or five other talents who have, asked for it, who just have chosen not to make it public and, and they all probably have done the same kind of math realizing hey if i want to try to get in on this next big show now granted obviously you know aew is not going to fire all their bullets on that show they're obviously going to want to keep some new surprises and new acquisitions and keep rolling them out especially as they move into you know all out and then you know presumably television in the fall right um, but yeah you got to think the talents you know that know when double or nothing are realize okay well i got to be gone from here by this point to even be eligible for that um, or Starcaster or whatever else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is really, again, it, it, it just, it, it just, it's, it's just the we're, we're in month two of again what we talk about what is probably going to be a a milestone year in the in yeah. the history of this business. And going back, that Good Morning Vietnam opening, it's going to be iconic. I'm telling you, we're at war right now, guys. Um, all right, we're going to get back to AEW. We have more to talk about them, but let's uh, let's talk about the news coming out of SmackDown last night. Uh, Kofi Kingston is now the number one contender to Daniel Bryan. He'll face him at uh, Fastlane for the WWE Championship after Kofi pinned Daniel Bryan in the six-man tag match main event. Uh, very exciting time for Kofi Kingston. Um, you know, we haven't talked in, I, I guess, nearly a week, Justin, since uh, the Kofi Rocket has really taken off here. Uh, what are your impressions of what's going on right now? How far do you think they take it with him? Well, realistically, I don't think it's going to really be past Fastlane. Um you know, and again, I try to. I always try to be the you know, remind the 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 fickle, the 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 heartened, complaining, the fan. You know, like look, I've seen a lot of reaction of, oh, Kofi should be facing Brian at Mania. It shouldn't be, you know, fast lane, which is obviously like a throwaway event to a lot of people. And it's like, look, guys, seven days ago or, or eight eight days ago, nine days ago, Kofi wasn't even in a, in a realistic breath to even be challenging Daniel Bryan. He was just doing his new day thing. Right. So like. Let's just be grateful for what we get here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so it would be great to have, you know, and, 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 and obviously we're seeing right now, as we'll touch on with the, you know, as, as the script of Monday Night Raw, as we heard about, look, anything could change at this moment. I mean, this this match could go phenomenally at Fastlane, and maybe they, could, they do go, well, you know what, let's 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 carry this out to media. I don't think that's going to happen, but bottom line, this is very good, well-deserved. Obviously, Kofi's a veteran. Um, tremendous performer. I, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him that's, that's either current or former there. He seems to be one of those guys that everybody just likes, which that's very hard to do right. for wrestling. So very. Uh, especially, to, especially to be around for as long as he has, because odds are if you've been around for as long as you have, you've pissed somebody off or somebody thinks that you've held them down. So, you know, hats off to him. Um, I honestly, I, this, here's, a little, here's a little bit of my booking uh, mentality. Sure. Uh, if, 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 if they're 
if WWE is completely determined that he's not going to win the title and they have a bigger plan for Daniel Bryan at Mania, then I would maybe not the night of Fastlane, but maybe the SmackDown after. Um, I will, you, you know, if Kofi loses, he's still going to have great probably support behind him. If they're if you if if they ever want to break up New Day, this would be the time to have somebody like a Big E turn on Kofi. Oh, That'd be a lot. That'd be a lot of heat oh, immediately on somebody, oh, and and you'd have a program right there to, to, oh, to carry into Mania. I mean, again, if New Day was going to break up, wouldn't the payoff breakup be fitting to be a WrestleMania match because they've been around for so long? Sure, I don't know that I'd go that. I I I think I I like them too much as the guys that are very happy and proud of their friend and and pushing him. I just like the it's a it's the New Day has shifted, the dynamic has shifted. They're becoming more credible, I think, in this moment, and I would I would hate to see that get cut off here. But I do think, uh, not that Big E would, would cost Kofi the match here, but I could see Kofi getting screwed over here by somebody, an outside force. Maybe Daniel Bryan grabs the ropes or something where this isn't like a legitimate loss for Kofi here because at the end of the day, for me, I, I really do love the story of Kofi Kingston playing the Daniel Bryan role, going into WrestleMania, getting this organic crowd reaction, and that results him with... The WrestleMania booking getting changed and this guy getting inserted in there. Now, you know, maybe, you know, Daniel Bryan wins and, you know, they, they pick a new opponent for him and Kofi still makes the case that he never really lost this match to Daniel Bryan. You know, this guy cheated or he got screwed over or whatever, and they have to insert him there and to make it a triple threat. You know, just like what happened with Daniel Bryan, I, I'm way more on the hook for that storyline. I, I, I just think it's, it's much more compelling, and I would love to see this pay off with Kofi winning the title at WrestleMania. I think that'd be incredible. Well, sure. I mean, and obviously the New Day, you know, they're very profitable for WWE, so it would take a, <clears throat> it would take some serious, you know, talking and convincing to pull the trigger of breaking them up. And you're right, this does give them a little bit more credibility uh, to an extent. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm being, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Kofi's going to. But hey, then again, again, they, if there's ever a time where WWE seems to be ready to call audibles and they realize that okay, they're starting to feel heat, it seems like whether it be decline in viewership, AEW's presence, or all of the above. Um, you know, again, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe like you just said, maybe the Dan O'Brien effect of 2014 can happen to Kofi and, you know, what, uh, what funny irony that would be. And also somewhat fitting considering the wrestling business is usually pretty cyclical anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm on the hook for it. I think it's really fun. Here's something else I'm on the hook for now as well. Now the Usos, uh, came out on SmackDown confronted, uh, Miz and Shane McMahon. Uh, you know, they really ran down Miz here. Your, your failure, your joke. Um, and they, they said, you know, we know there's not rematch automatic rematches anymore. We're going to give you another shot to prove you're the greatest. So Mick Miz, Shane McMahon and, and the Miz will get another shot here at the Usos for the titles at Fastlane. And Miz revealed later in the show that his dad is going to be sitting ringside for the match. Now, Justin, I may be, maybe I'm crazy, right? I, I didn't like, I didn't really, per- <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really think your new day thing was great. And maybe you're not going to like this, but, um, I know what you're going to say. I think that this is heading in the direction of a WrestleMania match. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Of The Miz and his dad versus Shane and Vince McMahon. Do you also think that's where this is going? I knew that's what you were going to say. I can't decipher if I think that that's where it's going to go. Or if this just looks so effing crazy that that's just what they're they're throwing darts against the wall. That's what's going to land on. I... I mean, um, Vince, Vince, or, or, or oh, wait a minute, or the office, the other way around it is it's, <laughs> it's, it's Miz and his dad versus Shane and his oldest son 
I mean, hell, they had a ten-year-old uh, in the ring last year with Braun Strowman. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe, but I, I think it's gonna be Vince, man. And like, I'm not gonna lie, I am really interested to see how Miz's dad and Vince gel on camera because Miz's dad is kind of like, you know, I hate to say like old stoner dude, but like, you know, he looks like he used to be a drummer in a. 70s 80s band or something like that you know and vince is vince you know i don't know how i'm i'm, I'm Miz, interested the Miz is the Miz is dad and i'm sure he's a very nice guy but but just by judging a book by his cover and I, and I think that i think he's like a successful business owner and everything so mm-hmm. again let me preface all that before i make the comment but just at a visual glance yes the Miz's dad looks like the third string drummer of a bad white snake tribute band yeah so mm-hmm. <laughs> um I don't. I mean, I. I don't. I can't even believe we're having the conversation about you know. Will Will Mrs. Dad pin Vince McMahon in the middle of of seventy thousand people a stadium? I don't. I don't know. But yeah, you know, it's it's it got. It kind of seems like they're putting the pieces in that situation, aren't they? Oh my God! I'm so in. I'm so in. All right, I'm in. Uh, Gargano and Ciampa they beat the bar. Uh, we'll get to the the booking of those guys here in just a second. Mandy Rose pinned. Asuka in a non-title match. I was real surprised by this one. Um, what what did you think about the decision to have Asuka get pinned here by Mandy Mandy Rose? Yeah, um, not not loving it. I don't no. really like it. I you know mm. and and I, and again, I'm somebody who, um, you know, I'm a big proponent. And again, on the booking of you know not you know not everybody can be a star at once. And, and, and hey, look, somebody's got credibility. Help help give a rub to somebody else. So you know, I, I'm not one of those people that are like staunch or like you know okay oscar can't have any show any weakness or, or somebody in oscar's position but just ha- that th- just the, given the timing of it the situation of it w- what did it mean or lack thereof? I, I really wasn't uh i wasn't a fan of it yeah um and uh also on 205 live last night it was announced by drake maverick the gm that there's going to be an eight-man single elimination tournament to determine buddy murphy's wrestlemania opponent uh, next week on the show, Brian Kendrick will face Drew Gulak in an opening round, and Tony Nese will take on Kalisto in an opening round. Uh, the other four men have not been announced yet, but uh, Humberto uh, Carrillo, Cedric Alexander, Aria Davari, and Mike Kanellis would all seem to be eligible for this, so uh, that could round out the field. Um, great way to build up Buddy's next opponent for WrestleMania. I mean, hard to complain about a tournament to determine a number one contender. And for me, I just wonder, do you think the Cruiserweight title gets defended on the main WrestleMania card? Do you think that finally gets off the kickoff show, or do you think it, it stays there? No, it stays there. It, and again, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's one of those weird things where it's like, <clears throat> um, what even really defines, all that defines the kickoff show anymore, you know, because it's all in the network, and, and, and again, especially WrestleMania, all that defines the kickoff show is they don't like the stage up traditionally. They wait until you know the opening pyro round, um, you know, they don't light the stage up. Um, a lot of people are still coming into the stadium because it's, you know, 70,000 people trying to get into a place and, and it's a nine hour long event. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably for a while, it's just going to be pegged to where it's going to be one of the first things they put on um, in the day to get the crowd warmed up. And, and it's just going to be in that. It's going to be something to break away from the panel uh, of talking heads. I mean, that's just the reality of it. now. Now I say that so cavalier, like oh, the only difference is the stage isn't lit up and it's earlier, earlier in the day. But uh, of course, I'm sure to the, I'm sure to those talents, there may be an effect in in their pay. So I'm sure, sure. to them, it's not quite as a throwaway of a topic. But um, you know, but it, 
yeah, the, the, it, the whole fact of pre-show, main show, kickoff, it, it, the lines are getting really blurred anyway. So. Well, and, and you know what? I, it's, you know, the first match of the show is very important, right? Getting that crowd going. The Buddy Murphy's been an incredible champ. Him and Tozawa tore the house down uh, at Elimination Chamber on the kickoff show. I don't, I mean, I don't dislike it. I mean, there's, you're always, people can always make the case, oh, the, the Cruiserweights deserve better. They're, they're having these great matches. It'd be, you know, they should be on the WrestleMania card. But, you know, you're trying to do a good wrestling show here. And you got to put something out there. It's going to get people on the hook. That's going to get them excited. That's going to set the tone for the night. And a lot, a, a lot of credit I give these guys for doing just that. And if you know that the cruiserweight show is the kickoff show, and you don't want to miss that, so you get to tune in. It's free. Usually, there's more eyeballs on that kind of content. And you know, I, I think we talked a couple weeks ago as we roll in here to to the Fox uh, merger here, the Fox, uh, you know, starting to to carry WWE content. You know, and possibly doing what they do for, you know, what they've done for UFC, airing the, the pre-show fights on FS1 leading into the pay-per-view. You know, Buddy Murphy, the cruiserweights, getting, you know, the 205 Live guys, getting that kind of platform there to set the tone going into a pay-per-view. I, 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 don't, I don't know what the money situation is like, um, but, you know, there's a lot of value in that. And this, this probably is a good spot for these guys, honestly. Yeah, no, those are all valid points. And I think one more point to be that I think is worth considering is, um, and I talked about this a lot when the 205 Live uh, show started and they brought the division back, is, um, you know, it's a different it's a different ball game today, whereas, you know, everybody, everybody relays <clears throat> and references the success that Cruiserweights had in WCW in the mid-90s, and I constantly have to remind them and say, look, you know, that worked really well on WCW shows because the you weren't in the cruiserweight division odds are you were a hulk hogan a kevin nash you were, you know guys that were working a totally different style that were not gonna do anything you know so it really helped this cruiserweight stand out but in today's world you know in today's wwe you know you you, you i mean hell you, you know you have guys like a kevin owens who is you know the size of a heavyweight he looks like a heavyweight by his stature but he can do some of the things that a cruiserweight would do and work that kind of a style so it's like I think, so my point that I'm getting at here is, I think sometimes putting, you know, it's, it's why 205 Live needs to have, its, it, it, it works as it's being its own show, separate from Raw or SmackDown, but also, it kind of is like putting these guys out really front, kind of letting them own that kickoff space, uh, keeps them from, you know, having them right next to Seth Rollins, who's going to try to do some cruiserweight-like moves as he's alluding to Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? Right. It, it just helps give their, their own identity, their own spot on the show without it you know, conflicting to two other matches that are quote unquote in the heavyweight divisions. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk, uh, let's talk about raw. Uh, we've talked all the SmackDown news here. Let's take a step back here. The wrestling observer, all of the, the rest of the news for the rest of the show all came from the observer. I don't know how that all timed out, but anyway, uh, the, this past week episode of raw was apparently there was another episode written last week that did not include the NXT call-ups at all. Uh, this week's script apparently did not finish getting written until 30 minutes into the show and changes were still being made in the second hour. That's some WCW 2000 stuff right there, Justin, first of all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's chaos there right now. Yeah. So I guess the reason for all of the, I like how you just got, it's chaos, Nick. It's insanity back there right now. Um, so the reason for all the changes were, I guess, you know, the ratings, you know, they've continued to decline. AEW is gaining momentum. 
The Undertaker is joining StarCast 2. Um, and all of these things, I guess, have just, as it was put here, have left Vince McMahon feeling off. Right? Now, I guess Vince was under the impression that StarCast and AEW are not connected. <laughs> Which, I mean, they're not. Like, I talked to Conrad here two weeks ago, and he's like, no, I own StarCast. They're AEW. I just do my events right next to their shows. But with that said, Vince is not happy with how this is developing. And I don't blame him, right? Like, I love the lines that Conrad was giving me. God bless him. He's saying all the right things. But I, I don't know how when you get into the fog that we're at right now, you can really delineate the two. They, I mean, Conrad's doing the pre-show, for God's sake. So anyway, um, Vince has made the – Vince, you know, feeling this, feeling off, made the call to NXT, said, send me your four best, fly him to Raw – Triple H apparently didn't know about this, and there's some kind of lack of communication, which I'm sure had him pulling what few hairs are on top of his head out of his body. Um, initially, Balor on the show was going to face Ricochet in a heads-up match, but Triple H was like, what are we doing? How is the crowd going to react to that? Make it a tag, which was smart. And um, for the foreseeable future, each talent is expected to be on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, the four new NXT talents. So... Let's let's take a pause there. We're going to get some more re raw rewrites here in just a second. But the NXT talent, what you, what do you think of the debut, the use of them, and the fact that these guys, I mean, them, the women's tag belts, they're on all the brands now. Are we seeing the dissolution of the of the brand? Is it just going to be a slow fade to black on it? Well, I, I think we might be seeing some of um, uh, again what Trevich talks about coming <laughs> coming to fruition. Unfortunately, it's happening without his his knowledge. It seems. Uh, which is that two-way street. And, it, it, you know, it's like, you know, I think Vince kind of liked keeping NXT as his own little thing. Right. You have Raw and SmackDown, but maybe now Vince is realizing, okay, now I have to tap into this well. It's just, it's, it's where we're needed. There's so many levels to this. You know, I... I right. I, yes. Because then, never mind... <laughs> okay, so you have the talents that, that that made their their very, you know, very strong debuts. I mean, they all, you know, they all went over and looked good um, in, in their matches. And then it's like, well, there's like a there's like five other talents of NXT that got the video package love, right? Right after the McMahon said they're gonna shake things up, and none of them have have really like we've barely scratched the surface of seeing you know you know like they, they you know we just how EC3 finally got a match and, and spoke a little bit and and you know heavy machinery is bushwhacking around and Lars Sullivan still hasn't appeared and like so it's like. What, what do you think those talents are feeling like when they thought that they were going to be the new focal point of additions to the roster? And now they're getting shoved aside for these new ones that are all, you know, all higher profile. You know, Ricochet, Gargano, Ciampa, Black, all, all of them, you know, I think, you know, obviously higher profile than, you know, EC3, Heavy Machinery, um, and, and, and the rest of that bunch so it, it this is just it, it's a chaos i mean it is chaos it's chaos from our viewpoint um <laughs> the people i've talked to that are that are there on the road this week they said this it's just it's it, it is chaos it's just kind of like i mean there's just a, a, a not i don't want to say like i don't want to say like uh across the board bad morale it's not that it doesn't seem like from what i've gathered but it's just there's just a lot of like uncertainty yeah um which which can create some excitement uh let's refer go back to the whole Kofi kingston thing Right. It creates some excitement of like, okay, things are really changing up. This is not the same old song and dance. It doesn't feel like, but it also just is uncertainty because it's like, you know, scripts are changing, guys are flying in that they didn't know were coming. It's just it's just uncertainty, uncertainty and chaos. 
Yeah, I mean, how, how do you get excited to go out there and, and grab that brass ring and, and seize the opportunity when you've watched it? so many others do that and then fall to the wayside? You know, it, it does. It creates a kind of complacency there. And, I mean, you're not rewarding the fans. You're not rewarding the talent. I don't really know what kind of a product Vince is trying to, to do right now. It seems very ham-fisted to me. And I know that, you know, Triple H is invested. He loves NXT. Vince is largely, like, not involved in the day-to-day -day from NXT, from what I gather. Um, but, uh, you know, this is like, imagine imagine you're a chocolate maker, right? You're like a, a really good chocolate maker. You make the most delicious chocolates, right? Little chocolate bits. You put the little strawberry fluff in the middle, you know? And you create the most beautiful little little bowl of chocolates, right? And you put them out, and you, and you have them there. And then this dude just comes over and he slams his hand into it and he mashes all the chocolates up in his fist and he just smashes it all over his face and into his mouth. That is my analogy for what is going on right now with NXT talent and, and, and Monday Night Raw. Is that good? Is that bad? That's it. The, the Miz's dad is the guy that looks like he'd come over and smash your chocolate shop up. That's what it is. No, Vince is the oh. guy who's getting... Well, wait. No, well. And I love that Vince is like, we're in a corner here. You know what the people want? Miz dad. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. I mean, this, there's just a lot of... I don't know. You know, um, you know we always talk... We, we've talked about for how long, how many years, um, how... You know, Vince and WWE are at their best when they're being challenged, when you know, the competition brings out the best. But, I mean, the competition is still very early on. I mean, the competition is, for the most part, all just, you know, things on paper, just announcements that AEW can make. I mean, again, you know, they've only had one sh one show, two rallies. And, you know, so it's not like they have like a weekly presence uh, of, of programming. But so we're I mean, we're in the extreme early stages, but already. Uh, as being challenged, um, Vince is Vince and, w, and subsequently WWE are just reacting very um, erratically. Very, yeah. yeah, that's like that's the exact word I was getting ready to pull out. Erratically, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it was like a, it was like a Mad Lib where it's like, oh no, no I, I know the nope, word. That, <laughs> yeah, know. that was that, that was the word I was catching my breath to say. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. it comes across that way. Well, let's get here. So there was there's more to these rewrites here. Um, also here from the Observer, a lot of the details around. Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot on Raw, which was like announced out of nowhere, uh, were not known until the last minute. I guess earlier in the day, the match was going to be Ronda Rousey just squashing Alexa Bliss because that's okay. Um, but they wanted to give Rousey more time, a longer match. She was familiar with Ruby Riot. They wrestled the night before, so that's why they put her out there. Uh, it said that Ronda's been a team player. If when she leaves, it'll be a hundred percent her decision. But when she does step aside, uh, Lacey Evans is set to replace her in the pecking order of. Charlotte, Becky, and then Lacey, I guess, would be the big three. And there's talk right now, I guess, of doing Lacey versus Asuka uh, for the SmackDown Women's title at Mania, which would be great if Asuka had beat Mandy Rose last night and looked like a monster. But another conversation, I guess, here. Um, yeah, just just more erraticness here. I mean, good. <laughs> well, and, th and think about this. Uh, and I didn't, I think so. I think during Raw, I happened to see Alexa Bliss. I think she randomly, like, kind of tweeted, like, something to the effect of, like, how are y'all enjoying tonight's Raw? And I remember when I read it, for whatever reason, I read it in, like, a sarcastic tone. Like, I thought she was being sarcastic, like she was, like, pissed off about something or that she wasn't going to be on the show. Yeah. So this is the fact. So, so, if, so if that report is true, that makes a little more sense to my interpretation of her tweet. And I mean, so, so again, you know, talking about, like, what, 
you know, what EC3 and those talents think before they see, you know, these new four talents come in or five talents come in. It's like, what does what Alexa Bliss think? Alexa Bliss um, is getting bumped for a match uh, for Ruby Riot to have a, a rematch the next night. And Lacey Evans is the new blonde that we're promoting and pushing, you know. So now, I mean, you know, like, what does Alexa Bliss feel? Does she feel she's been now pushed back out a lot? Like, it just kind of feels that way. Kind of feels that way right now, Justin, you know, interpreting the facts that they're given to us. But I saw that tweet, by the way. I know what tweet you're talking about. And I also read that, like, sarcastic kind of a pot shot at the the way Raw was going on Monday night, Um, which was a flat crowd, too. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, we got two more things here. We'll wrap up this discussion about the erraticness and why Vince McMahon is feeling pressure by noting also from the Observer that apparently WWE made a huge invasion style pitch storyline wise to the Young Bucks when they were negotiating trying to get them to come to the company. Now, presumably, the Bucks would have, you know, maybe had Kenny Omega, Cody, Hangman. They all do an invasion going into WrestleMania. Um, you know, the Bucks obviously chose to go a different path and have started their own promotion. But but that was the pitch. It was as it was given to them. And if I'm the if I'm the Bucks here, you know, and Cody and all these guys, okay, maybe you get the invasion. It, maybe maybe it, maybe it's you know scripted out. You know, a couple months here, you do that, it comes out. But but once once that you know Vince loses interest or or decides it needs to be tweaked after a couple months in, you're under their uh, you're under their umbrella. They own you. The fun may not last that long. I, I, I totally understand, especially with everything that we've just been talking about in this show, why these guys chose to go a different route, you know? Well, and to your point, I, I think the Bucks said that the there would be like that six-month clause where they could they could get out. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of, you know, I think it was WWE's way of saying, look, we're not going to lose interest in you. you know, trust us, you know. Um, what's funny is that when I read that report, and I totally 100% believe it, um, I think it is true. Uh, when I read that, in a way, when I read it, it was like, man, you know what that kind of says to me? That kind of almost says to me, like, that almost, it's almost like WWE justifying AEW. What I mean by that is, is, is if WWE, and, you know, it sounds like Triple H was really involved in the, the pitches and the, in the, in the courting. I don't know if Vince also was or, or, or what, but, um, but it sounds like, you know, w, WWE was making these pitches to these guys of like, look, we understand, respect, and appreciate that you guys kind of like represent this other movement, this other you guys represent something that we can then sell as an invasion. You guys are such a force that everybody can uh, relate and, 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 and put you guys together in one pack and that you guys could invade. And so by WWE pitching that story and saying that you guys would play the perfect part and we're going to make this the, you know, the primary focus of 2019 WWE stories, that kind of justifies these guys saying, yeah, you know, we are a rebel force, but we're just going to start our own promotion. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's interesting. No, 100% correct. Uh, and uh, our good friend Brian Fritz from Sporting News actually had a chance to chat with the Bucks. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to, to say that I thought was interesting of note, uh, they said their ideal length for a pro wrestling TV show would be one to two hours. Absolutely not three hours. They think that is way too long for a television show. So uh, there were many fit options and uh, things that came into uh, their mind, I'm sure, when they were making that call. Uh, last bit of news here, uh, Wrestling Observer uh, finally reporting there is talk of a Kurt Angle re- retirement match possibly happening at WrestleMania. No word on who his opponent would be, uh, but if he doesn't have, even if this year they decide not to do the retirement match, he's still scheduled to wrestle on the show in some capacity. Uh, for you, who's the uh, ideal Kurt Angle WrestleMania opponent, Justin? Oh, um, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't know, uh, you know, because and the reason I don't know, the reason that's hard for me to answer is because, 
you know, on the one hand, I'm like a stickler of like, I want, <laughs> I want some, some finality, some conclusion to Jason Jordan being his son. Oh, and, and, Jason, yeah. and Jason Jordan still hasn't, you know, I guess he's still injured. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I kind of like the thought of Kurt working somebody new. You know, I, I've heard people say, oh, wouldn't it be great to see Kurt and AJ and, and, and whatever. It's like, but yeah, but, we, but we've seen that in their career. I, yeah. I mean, and granted it, granted, it would be great for both men to be able to do what they've done in TNA and do it on the Mania stage. But I'd rather, you know, if Kurt Angle, you know, Kurt Angle, if, if he only has X amount of bumps left in him, X amount of matches. I'd rather I'd rather use use those on somebody that he can really help set up their career and get a rub for. So I don't know. I'd have to think deeper on on uh, who I think that he could help benefit that 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 that's you know got a, a future ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and you know, Mustafa Ali has kind of been thrown to the wayside. I'm sure he'll be back here sooner than later. Um, I would hope at least. Uh, but he's somebody young that you know would be a, a fitting you know fun opponent for Kurt. I, I've heard people say. John Cena would be a great opponent for Kurt, right? He made he debuted against Kurt Angle. What a what a great way for Kurt to go out, losing to the guy uh, who he helped you know establish in the beginning. So that that one would I'll, work for me too. I'll, I'll give you one um, since we're kind of wondering who's going to fill the spot as his opponent. How about Daniel Bryan? Ooh, good one. How about Kurt? How about Kurt Angle? Kurt Angle versus Daniel Bryan. And granted, Daniel Bryan obviously doesn't need to be made. He's already a made man. He's on the Mm-hmm. what we think would be second half of his career. But I, I still could justify that. I think when, if you're looking for a, if, if, the, if it's true that they're looking for a name to bring back and they're looking for somebody who's not an active every single week performer, uh, the work Dan O'Brien, I mean, what a, what, what a, what a performance that could be. Um, Cause I'll tell you this, Kurt Angle is, he's, he's here in Pittsburgh training. I mean, it's not a secret. If you, if you follow social media, he's training with us, with IWC wrestling at our school, um, you know, to keep himself in shape and, and what have you. So when he obviously showed up at one of our events, as I promoted a few few weeks ago, I mean, so like he's he's keeping himself in shape. I can tell you that. Well, they, they did the, the the retirement tease on Raw a couple of weeks ago, but you know he's training with you guys. I mean, is he acting like he's looking to retire? Or is he just staying in shape for one more match? I mean, what's the vibe you get off this guy? Uh, I don't get the vibe that he's training for that one last. I mean, he, you know, again, like he he ended up working. Um, the, the week, it was like the day before, actually, that he came to our show here. Uh, he worked that random house show against Baron Corbin in Texas. So, like, I mean, he, you know, he kind of seems like he has a mentality. Like, he's just trying to stay ready because of whenever he's going to get the call. Um, but I can tell that he's, like, he's committed to it. He's not. So, I feel like he knows that he's definitely working Mania. I mean, that doesn't mean he knows who he's working against. But I feel like he knows that Mania is a sure thing in some some capacity. So. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Brian Pillman Jr. Brian, welcome back to the Winkley. Hey, it's great to be here. How's everybody doing? <laughs> it's good. I like how you said that. Like, there's a room full of people here. You know, it's all the podcast listeners, for sure. <laughs> of course. I always am addressing a, a mass audience. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pointing your cane at them, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Addressing them. Uh, I, by the way, before we get to this, yeah, I saw you shared your dad's ECW uh, uh, debut from 23 years ago, like earlier today or yesterday. Yeah. Dude, how wild is that to think about? 23 years ago, your dad, or I guess making his second appearance, according to the Blue Mania, I guess, or whatever, but making his debut. I mean, you see stuff like that. How does that, how does that make you feel now being like an active part of the uh, pro wrestling scene? Oh, it's great. You know, it's very, uh, very timely as well. I just, uh, I just debuted in that arena uh just uh just in february so yeah pretty big deal for me you know so 
I addressed the, the audience in Philadelphia with a promo as well. So introducing uh, Harry Smith as my mystery, quote unquote, tag team partner. But uh, clearly it was no mystery because I had that plan in my back pocket all along. So. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and then right. me and Harry went out there and, you know, we put the beat down on Sandman and Tommy Dreamer just as uh, historically as we could. You know, we brought out all the old all the old guys and uh, get some pops for them. And, and then we had to take them down a notch. But that's just how it goes. Well, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, I had Davey on the show last week, which is why I hit you up. I wanted to follow it up. Uh, he brought up how his dad had wrestled the Sandman in the ECW arena, which is where you're talking about that you were last last month in February for yeah. MLW at the tapings. His dad wrestled the Sandman in the ECW arena. Your dad, wow, in that wild. Yeah, and they were yeah. My uh, Sandman had claimed you know they were friends, so that's pretty cool to hear. You know, he really enjoyed my dad's uh, company. Yeah, I mean, what what's Sandman and, and Dreamer? I mean, well, I, I, Dreamer's more of an agent. Sandman's less around, you know, uh, backstage for all the shows and things like that. He's just a performer. But, I mean, did he say anything to you about, like, working with your dad and getting a chance to work with you now? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was very, uh, very excited about it. And uh, definitely, I think I definitely impressed him a lot as well. So uh, it was a very good, successful uh, set of tapings there. Uh, crowd was very into that, and I think you know I think we just keep making history, and and that's how things go with my career for the most part. It's just it's a lot of it's about making history and uh, bringing back those guys and giving them you know giving them the time. Everybody kind of wants to have their own story with me. I, I'm getting starting to realize a lot of the older guys, you know, it's kind of their send off to this next generation of guys. They want to get all their last little moments in, and uh, you know, guys like Kevin Sullivan. Sam man, Tommy Dreamer. And it's truly wonderful to be sitting underneath that learning tree. You know, whether they are my opponents or my tag partners in the ring, it's always something to learn from. Man, I mean, that's incredible to hear you, like, you know, very knowingly, like, you know that these guys are coming to you. They see a bit of your dad and they see a way for them to bridge their careers into yours and help you carry that torch. I mean, how are you, I mean, how do you handle the pressure of that? I mean, how, I mean, how, how is it feeling in that position? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's it's almost a uh, it's almost a, a position of of comfort, really, when you're put in there with uh, some really senior guys, some really older guys. It uh, really helps you kind of cover yourself up and uh, just go out there and have fun and uh, really entertain the crowd because that's what it used to all be about. You know, it used to all be about uh, entertaining the crowd, making them want to come back. You know, it's and it's a different kind of ball game today. Uh, it's a little harder to kind of get over in today's world with with the uh, high expectations and the athleticism and all the things going on in the ring. Um, but that's where I'm different. You know, I have a real story and uh, I have a lot of those uh, moments of, of entertainment value that we can really get the most out of, you know what I mean? Really uh, get a lot of mileage out of my body. You know what I mean? Take it, uh, take it easy on the physical stuff, you know, and really tell a story out there. Yeah. That's so always a pleasure to work with those older guys that have a story. You know, not everybody has a nice little backstory. Oh, they worked in ECW, this, that, and the other. So it's really cool. Worked with some Ring of Honor guys over the weekend, some older guys. Um, so, you know, they just know their stuff. You know, it's just really, it's really fun. I'm, I'm blessed to be in the position I am. I don't have to go out there and uh, 
rest my body with people that are not you know professionals at the highest level so it's it's funny because like i've known harry for a while now and uh i actually i talked when i was talking to him last week i was like it was funny because uh, a year ago i remember being at joey janela's spring break i remember being backstage i probably had too many drinks and you were there and virgil was there and we we had a, a little i remember jumping in and i got a photo and i sent it to harry and i screenshotted it that's why i bring this up and I was like, man, you, yeah. I was like, you got to meet up with this guy. I would love to see what you guys are like. You, you really haven't been working together that long. I think it's a fascinating dynamic, both legacies. He's got a, he's got a couple years on you here. Talk to me a little bit about what the dynamic is like with Harry now and how you guys are gelling. Yeah. Harry is uh, just a true athlete, you know, one of a kind, true sport, very true, you know, very traditional in the uh, preserving with importance in wrestling. And, you know, too many guys are willing to kind of throw that out the window. But being from the Hart family, he is a man of tradition. He's a man of uh, pure training, uh, you know, intense conditioning, things like that. He's a true athlete. So it's nice that he keeps me grounded in reality and things like that, where uh, Teddy's kind of on the opposite spectrum. And Teddy's a little bit more abstract, you know, with wrestling and, and I guess a little more indie. That's the way you want to call it but yeah harry is just such a monster and uh every second i'm in the ring with him i'm a legitimate pro wrestler at that point you know yeah and he told me that you're doing a really good job of listening to him and taking his advice i mean is he somebody you see more as a a direct mentor i mean is he somebody you're you're talking to regularly about your progress in the business yeah i always keep a good line with the, the good thing is i learn a lot from both teddy and and harry you know I learned a lot of uh, good, good things to do as far as for crowd reactions when it comes to Teddy, you know, really how to kind of get people to pop, you know, because Teddy's all about, you know, popping the fans and yeah. stuff. Oh, sure. And then I get a lot of that, you know, really uh, deep down like psychology and really uh, advice on making it real when it comes to Harry, like Harry's all about it being as real as it gets and as hard hitting as it gets, you know, yeah. stronger it gets. Well, and, and not just like in ring advice, because obviously Harry's like a beast and you know there's a lot to learn. Again, like you said, these are two very different styles between Harry and Teddy that you're getting to learn from, which is great. But from a business side of it right now, I mean, you know, Harry walks the line between MLW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Teddy just does MLW, but you know, Harry's he's expanded beyond that. I mean, what kind of advice is he giving you to progress your career? I mean, I know on the show last week he said he could see you down at the the New Japan Dojo, refining your fundamentals right now. But I mean, there's a lot of young guys. It seems like getting offers from AEW too. I could see you in that fold. I don't know what advice he's giving you to go to go down, what road to go down. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a big time right now for wrestling, and uh, I think the most important decision I made uh, about a year ago was signing the contract with MLW because, you know, like I said, they have consistently uh, protected me in my career and built me into something. I'm not spread too thin. You know, I'm not working too many different TVs. So I feel like my presence is a little more valued as far as uh, the uh, wrestling goes on TV and stuff. So I'm really just focusing with this company right now. Um, a lot of other offers are, are, you know, either on the table or in the works, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, not, unlike unlike most guys, I, I'm more worried about, you know, slowing myself down instead of taking too many opportunities at once, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if I, you know, it's one of those things where the doors are open and 
it's a matter of when I'm ready to walk through them is, is how it's going to go. And I think uh, the grandest stage for me right now is on MLW because we do have the Hart Foundation, you know, the exclusive faction there. And uh, it's a really good build right now, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, and I love the Hart Good place to build myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I love the Hart Foundation, MLW. I mean, you know, again, I could see you guys, the Hart Foundation, making a run in New Japan. I mean, you guys are so young, so much talent, such diversity there. I could see you guys a lot of places. I'm very interested when you say things like there are a lot of offers on the table and others in the works. I mean, obviously, you're very loyal to MLW, as are, you know, other talents like MJF that are, that are walking the line here. I'm just kind of interested. I mean, of, of the opportunities out there, I mean, what, which ones do you think offer you the most benefits outside of MLW? Um, it's, you know, it's hard to say right now. I think, uh, I think the ultimate, you know, the ultimate goal would be to, uh, to be able to relocate myself, you know, uh, somewhere. So like any, any opportunity that could provide me with that, you know, it'd be nice to go, um, overseas or, or, you know, in Florida, maybe, you know, you know, just a couple different places that would be nicer weather than here because it's cold where I live but <laughs> yeah other than that it's just it's just a matter of uh of timing and of course respect sure to everyone within each company you know none of that bullshit like you know I gotta you gotta pay your gotta pay your dues you know you gotta you gotta work out and get in the best shape of your life before you take those steps so yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting right now, you know, you talk about the legacy you've got, how old timers seem to seem to want to come to you. Yeah. I got a, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Um, no, sorry. Girlfriend was uh, asking me if I was ready and all this. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. My, girl, my girlfriend popped in here too. She put some Brussels sprouts and asparagus down next to me while we were doing this interview. I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, they look good. I'm not gonna eat them right now though. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, um, yeah, we're about to go eat out at a Bob Evans. Have you ever heard of a Bob Evans? I'm very familiar with Bob Evans. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Where are you from? I'm in Chicago, buddy. I'll see you actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I got two. Well, I got two things I want to ask you about here. I won't keep you Warrior, too much Warrior, right? Yeah, Warrior Wrestling. I'll be doing commentary for Warrior, and you've got a match against Robert Ego Anthony and Frank the Clown. Um, yeah, that's definitely something to talk about, huh? Mm, well, well, I just wanted to get you. Yeah, I mean, if you've got any words about Frank the Clown, about how he's become, I mean, you know, you're you're Brian Pillman's son. He's Mick Foley's potential son-in-law, right? That's a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's only one word to to describe Frank the Clown, and and that is uh, a complete poser. Um, I mean, he's a cancer to this business. He doesn't belong within eight feet of a ring. Like, wherever the barricade is, he should be behind the barricade. He's done nothing but ruin opportunities for me for my debut match at Warrior. You know, he, he clearly uh, cost me the match. So it's, it's just one of those things where if Ego really wants to prove himself, especially um, in front of all the guys, yeah, almost in front of all the guys that we're going to be working with on that night. You know, it's a big night, a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, opportunities, you know. You got some big big tag team match with OVE and SCU, so you know, you never know who else might be rolling with SCU. You know, people in the back, you know, that are watching our stuff. So me and me and Ego, are, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna fight. You know, so that's the bottom line. We're gonna go out there with a fight, and if the clown gets in the way, then the clown's gonna get hit. And that's just that's the bottom line. I don't think there's gonna be any bullshit. Okay. It's gonna be about as about as about as hard hitting and real as it gets. So, okay. and people are gonna to want to watch it. People are gonna to want to watch this match. 
and they're going to watch it for a few years after that, too, because that's how good it's going to be. It is fun to watch Frank the Clown get hit in the face. I'm not going to lie. That's very enjoyable. Um, my last question I have for you here is there's uh, obviously a lot of rumors that you're, the Hart Foundation could be going in the WWE Hall of Fame. It sounds like it could just be Brett and Jim and Jimmy, but they also did this thing uh, where they decided to put DX in, which also included you know China and Waltman, you know a couple others that got to go in. I mean, have you heard anything, or do you? What do you think about the idea of the Hart Foundation being inducted as a group, a la DX, so that guys like your dad and Bulldog and, and even Owen could could get inducted that way? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where I haven't I haven't heard anything from uh, from the Fed about it, but uh, you know, it's possible. I don't think my I don't think my mom has got too much bad blood with the company, you know. Although she wasn't always, you know, the easiest person to work with for them, but um, you know, she still is in line with the. Uh, they got like a legends deal for her, you know. Okay. So she still has contracted uh, income from the WWE, so I'm sure they will allow it to happen. She's she's never quite, you know, petitioned for it, right? She's not like trying to get it in, but. I think the people know it, you know, Vince knows that everybody knows that he deserves it. Right. So yeah, no. if he goes in with the heart foundation, I think that'd be a good way to do it. You know, I'm not going to sit there and complain like he deserves it on his own, you know, like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. He deserves his own trial in there. You know? <laughs> here's, here's what you do while DX is going into the hall of fame. You run up on stage and you handcuff yourself to the podium. Yeah, that's genius. I should. I should be like, tell them the law. <laughs> I should yell it. Yeah, you know, wave a gun. I mean, go the distance, right? All the pilmanism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, Brian, you're wonderful. I can tell your girlfriend wants to leave, so we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we'll chat yeah, another time. Yeah, thank I, you. I hope I see you. Pleasure. Uh, I'll see you, hopefully, here for the MLW tapings in Chicago, Warrior Wrestling Chicago. Yeah. Or so. For sure. Awesome. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye. WrestlingInc.com right here with Brian Pillman Jr. How you doing? Sarah, Pennsylvania, Northern Tier Wrestling, NTW, a huge night tonight. You had a big match. And uh, just tell me about what tonight was all about, the Nikki Baker Memorial. Uh, you know, we're out here tonight. We're trying to raise money uh, for Nikki Baker's Memorial uh, Foundation. Uh, it means a lot to me to be able to give back the same way that so many wrestlers gave back when my father passed away and, and, and us kids, we needed uh, money to get us going and, and to get us back on our feet for our families. So that's what wrestling's all about. That's the word family. Uh, that's, what, that's what comes to mind when I hear wrestling. And uh, it, was, it was very wonderful for uh, the guys here to have brought me in. Uh, last night I was over there in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, and then tonight here in Sayre. Uh, my first time visiting this area, and the uh, it's been it's been amazing. It's been an outpouring of support for for me. So yeah, and no doubt about it. Certainly, uh, you're a star on the rise in the wrestling industry, MLW as well. Uh, just talk about these first year and a half, the first two years of your career so far. Been really letting the world on fire. Uh, you've been going out there and getting everything you got. And, you know, it's all about really believing in yourself, and that was the thing. You know, when I first started, I, I was very confident and believed in myself, even though even though every weekend I would go out there and, and I might be put into positions where I wasn't ready and I'd be nervous. And 
you know, a lot of times I'd fail early in my career, but it was those failures that propelled me further, and I, I kept learning, and I kept learning, and then uh, eventually I'm starting to find out who I am in the ring and outside the ring as well. So things are starting to come together. Uh, the matches are starting to come together, and uh, I must say I'm doing pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, life's going good, man. Dominating out there. And the, the New Heart Foundation, got to ask you about that. Uh, recently we talked to uh, one of your fellow members in that, uh, in that great group, this New Heart Foundation on WrestlingInc.com. And tell me about that. What's that experience like? I, I know your dad was a, uh, the only non-family-related member a part of the original Heart Foundation. Yeah, and, you know, I, as you can see, uh, the, the Heart Foundation is very selective on, on who they let in and, and things like that. Tyson Kidd being another one now that, you know, was, was brought into the family with open arms and, and the same thing was for me, you know, I went up and trained in Calgary. I trained under Lance Storm and, and Bruce Hart and the whole Hart family. They brought me in and then let me stay at their house sometimes. And, you know, we'd have dinner and we'd watch some pay-per-views together. And it truly is a family. And I'm, I'm truly blessed to be able to wear that Hart Foundation banner. Me and Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Teddy Hart uh, were an exclusive faction exclusive to MLW, and uh, you can catch us on BN Sports USA or on YouTube on Saturdays. We're airing on YouTube as well, so it's just it's a really cool experience to be. I was approached and contacted to do that and to be a part of that. Any idea maybe the old school uh, sweet hitman glasses being worn maybe? <laughs> well, no, I actually did have some really cool uh, heart-shaped Gucci glasses, nice. but uh, the office wasn't too excited about that look. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but creatively they pulled that, so... Maybe I'll bust those out again, maybe not, but we'll see what happens. I got them. So. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And, uh, you, you know, Lance Storm, trading with Lance Storm, uh, certainly a guy who's synonymous, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, and all those things. What was it like training with him? But also you had quite a, a journey to get there, right? A heck of a road trip. Yeah, yeah. It's about a 30-hour drive from my house in uh, Covington, Kentucky, just shy of Cincinnati, Ohio. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a quite the journey. Me and my uncle, we went out. We took the scenic route out west. We went through the Badlands. We went through Yellowstone National Park and up through <laughs> up through there. And we, Bear country. When we got to Calgary, yeah. we visited Banff. So a lot of outdoorsy stuff to do out west. It was definitely an adventure. But uh, I knew I needed to go upon that. I needed to undertake that challenge and that adventure because I wanted to get the best training there was. Obviously, that's going to be done in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, under Landstorm. It was a three-month program, very rigorous. Um, if anybody's interested in, in pursuing a career in this business, you would be, you know, you'd be shooting yourself in the foot to not go train uh, with Landstorm. So it was definitely the best decision I made of my career, clearly, because that aligned me uh, with the Hart family and put me in a good position. So, excellent, Brian. And uh, gotta ask you this: What's the goal for you? What's the main? thing or do you just kind of take it in stride whatever you do with the wrestling industry what's that ultimate goal for you you know right now I'm taking it day by day and my, my goals are are constantly uh, changing because the landscape of wrestling is constantly changing so or maybe a few months ago it was my goal to get signed with the WWE maybe that's different maybe maybe I'm looking at different companies uh, whether it's Ring of Honor or all elite wrestling uh, there's a lot of landscape out there there's also Japan and uh, I'm doing a trip to, to London in April, so maybe I'll open up some more doors over there while I'm overseas. So it's really it's really interesting to be a part of all this, and I'm excited to say that I don't know. I don't know my uh, plans for the future, and that's exciting. Well, I think it's very bright. Uh, nonetheless, uh, whatever you decide, you're, you're going to achieve it. And uh, Brian Pillman said, obviously, you get those questions a lot, but you know, I want to ask you this. 
what are the expectations, you know, of being a pillman, so yeah. to speak? Yeah, and that's what I was talking about earlier, you know, always on my way in my car, on my way to a show, getting ready to fail and being very nervous. And that, it's because of those expectations were so high that I felt like I was failing my father. But uh, just like every other uh, profession in this business, it takes a while to uh, to really find yourself and to really learn and to take things stride. And after about a year and a half, I can say I'm fully confident in my ability. And I truly think that not only am I living up to his legacy, but I'm also carving my own. I'm also creating my own style of wrestling. I'm borrowing from different styles, whether it's Japanese, Lucha, American, Canadian style. I'm, I'm doing it all. So, um, yeah. Excellent, Brian. And uh, obviously your dad was the loose cannon, yeah. right? You know, that, that nickname is, is so synonymous with everything. And tell me about that. What's the craziest thing you've heard, uh, a story about your dad uh, in the ring? Well, I've, you know, I've heard tons of crazy stories. Obviously, you see the videos of, of him wrestling a pencil and, and him, you know, trying to work the boys. And, he, you know, he runs back to the locker room. Oh, my God, he's hurt. He's killed. You know, he's yelling that guys are guys are in the ring. We need to get him. We need to call the emergency room, all this. And then he's just turns out he's just working the boys, you know, just just fun stuff. He always was in always was in and I want to say always in character but he was always in a mood to entertain mm -hmm. you know he's always in a mood to, to pop people and to make people laugh and, and I feel like I share that similar trait I think that's what makes me uh, a good entertainer to follow in his footsteps because I have share that trait that I like to get people to pop and, and have fun and, and prank around and, and stuff like that you know you can't take life too seriously yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying Man, we saw that tonight out in the ring too seeing you out there you definitely rocked the house out there uh, tonight your match that triple threat match and you know one thing I thought was pretty cool was uh, a nice tweet from Stone Cold Steve Austin about uh, an item in your guys, a pool, so to speak, yeah, from, yeah. from the Pillman Guns incident on Raw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, how crazy was that? Yeah, that was wild. You know, Steve broke into my house, and uh, <laughs> there was glass on the floor for like three weeks after that. I was like, wasn't somebody going to clean this up? You know, <laughs> he, broke in, he literally broke into my house, and you know, rest in peace to that kiddie pool. I never saw anything of it after that. I guess they they hid the evidence pretty well. They, you know, they threw that out. You know, so <laughs> he apologized. Uh, right? He apologized, and you know, I, I'm still a little still a little salty about <laughs> it. But you know, we buried the hatchet, and of course, Steve Austin is somebody who's he's great to have in your corner, and I'm blessed to have Steve Austin in my corner, constantly uh, calling me up, giving me advice, and, and looking over my matches and stuff. So it's great, and I, and I hope I can follow in, in Steve's footsteps as well and, and hopefully become a huge star and uh, generate a lot, of, uh, a lot of hype into wrestling, you know. Yeah, just a couple more quick questions. Brian Pillman Jr. here at NCW and WrestlingInc.com. And, and Brian, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin as well, where's a special necklace that, you know, your, um, your dad uh, had a lot to do with? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the golden necklace he wears, and, and I'm sure he, he, I think he puts it up somewhere safe now in his house, you know, so he doesn't lose it. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's something very symbolic. Uh, Steve will always tell me, you know, it's really hard to make friends or to keep friends in this business. But he said if, if he had one true friend, it was my dad. So mm -hmm. they were truly best friends in the business. You know? yeah, the Hollywood Blondes, very special uh, back in the 90s in WCW. And, uh, Brian, if you had a message, if you could say something to your dad right now, what would you tell him about all your progress and all your success in the wrestling? I know he's proud. I would say thank you. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for this legacy. Uh, thank you for giving me the name Brian. I know a lot of people don't believe it. They think, oh, it's just a gimmick. But no, he, my shoot name is Brian Pillman. And uh, 
we kept our middle names separate. You know, his middle name's William, my middle name's Zachary. So uh, if there's a work, it's the junior's work. I'm not <laughs> legally a junior, but wrestling is cool, and we can, you, you can know, we can use that, you know. You can do that. I'm Brian Pillman the second, the junior, the second coming, whatever, 2.0, whatever you want to call me. But thank you, Dad. Thank you for this amazing legacy. And thank you, the fans, for, for not only uh, loving him and, and remembering him, but also respecting my work as a separate, you know, and, and as a separate entity and, and respecting what I'm doing in the ring because it's all, it's all coming together now. So It really is. Brian Pillman, Jr., final question here tonight is, you kind of just hit on it right there, mm-hmm. promo for Brian Pillman, Jr., right there to that lens about your future, about what's next, about just getting better every single day. Yeah, like you said, every single day you failed, but you fail forward. There's no such thing as pure success. Nobody goes through it. You know, look at all the top guys, The Rock, John Cena, Steve Austin. They all went through it. They all had their ups and their downs. And, and right now I'm on an upswing. So if you want to be a part of that upswing, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Flying Brian Jr., Instagram at Flying Brian 41 and it only keeps going up from here. I can't tell you how insane it's been. And my, you know, I went from having an Instagram with 500 people following me to 17,000 in, in, in a year and a half. So it's absolutely unreal the amount of support I'm getting, and I will continue to deliver and deliver and deliver. And and, and follow us on Major League Wrestling, the New Heart Foundation. We have, we are the new World Tag Team Champions. I love it. And uh, usually what we do, Brian, is we stick out for WrestlingInc.com. How about you do that for us? Brian Pillman Jr., WrestlingInc.com. I'm Brian Pillman Jr., and you're watching WrestlingInc.com. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome field correspondent for Wrestling Inc., Joey G. Joey G., welcome to the Winkley. Uh, Mr. Nick, thank you very much for having me on. You know, it's always a pleasure. I feel bad because people should have heard more from us. But remember, we tried to do the news one time for the Winkley and I had an audio problem and it was like all we lost all of it. It's like it never happens to me. We lost all of it. Remember that? I do remember that, yeah, and we had a really good conversation that will now, uh, you know, people will just have to believe us when I say that it happened. It was good. But uh, it's like the, uh, you know, it's the story of the tag team that was held down and then has their big mania moment. So, you know, I'm oh. looking forward to us getting back there. Oh, are we like Hawkins and Ryder? Uh, we are like Hawkins and Ryder. You're probably, well, actually, you're probably Ryder because you're the better looking one. Mm. And I could be like Hawkins gear because, you know, I have style. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we could kind of, you know, and I'm pretty much a loser and wow. you are... <laughs> Uh, and you have a successful YouTube show, so it makes sense. This is dark. Also, I don't. We're not on YouTube anymore. <laughs> We're on iTunes solely. Right. Audio. It was right. It was a it was a metaphor, not a not an actual play by play. But you kind of understand. What you I'm sound saying. like you sound like what I would imagine my comedy grandma would be like. Be like, you do a YouTube series, right? And it's like, no, grandma, I don't. I don't yeah, do that. I'm yeah. just constantly constantly feeding you calzones, and it's right. like I'm so proud that you made it on the tube. Mm, it's like that opening scene from the movie Seven, but like as a Christmas special. That's awful. Right. Yes. Mm. Or the clo- or the closing scene of the movie Seven, but like real life. <sighs> All right. Uh, well, this is gone. This is going well. Uh, well, before we get to because you were in Vegas over the weekend for um, the the Impact Wrestling TV tapings, three nights in a row, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll get to that here in just a second. While I've got you though, you were also in Vegas the weekend before 
for the AEW Double or Nothing uh, press rela- press ticket launch party event. Uh, so we should we should touch on that as well. Well, I've got you here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to talk about it. All right. Well, tell me about it. You were there. Can you make a debut? Run us through what happened. What was it like being on on the scene for that? Well, a lot, you could tell, uh, first off, let me just start by saying, as someone who grew up in Vegas uh, and lived in Chicago for a long stint, it was unseasonably cold. Mm. Like, the coldest I think it's ever been in Vegas. Uh, Cody even jokingly apologized for having the event outside. I think it dropped to uh, mid-20s at some point in the evening, which, again, you know, Living in Chicago for so long, it's not the polar vortex, but it's much colder than anyone ever anticipated it to be in Vegas. Yeah. Um, Mm. With that said, uh, you could tell that the hype uh, and the actual event lived up to the hype because a lot of excited fans. I got to talk to a lot of a lot of people that were there uh, prior to even me doing coverage who were very excited, uh, hoping that Kenny would show up. And then when he did, uh, they absolutely lost their collective minds. Um, and some real fun surprises from it, too. You know, seeing the Lucha Brothers there was very exciting. Um, all of their new signings were very exciting. And uh, uh, I think the crowd was not only just really into it, but uh, th- this, you know, ticket announcement release party kind of solidified that they are on the track towards giving the people what they really want. You know, I think people really wanted Kenny to sign with AEW, despite all the rumors of him staying in Japan or going to WWE. So it's kind of like, you know, when the fans ask for something and they don't get it, it, you know, kind of makes them go away from the product. And I feel like AEW is already giving the fans what they want to see. All pop rocks, baby. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Beautiful, gorgeous, beautiful, gorgeous pop rocks that you could put into a device and then, you know, do whatever to get yourself going. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, besides that, uh, uh, what else can I say? Uh, Jericho was definitely a surprise because, you know, we saw him in Jacksonville and I don't think anyone expected to see him again in Vegas. Right. uh, Setting up the feud. And it was actually honestly pretty cool just to see some action because I don't think anyone was expecting that. I mean, you know, the Lucha Brothers did attack the Bucks. Uh, You had the Omega and Jericho pull apart brawl at the end. It kind of gated those like old WCW vibes where, you know, this is being or even old NWA vibes where this is being presented as like an actual sporting event uh, and the fights feel big and uh, it makes the atmosphere feel feel even bigger. How did how did the the crowd take to to the, the female talent and also the OWE talent? Because that was they're less familiar with that. What was the reaction like when they were out there? They're less familiar, but I think because they have such faith in Brandy and because Brandy has been so specific about, uh, you know, representing the women as strongly as they represent the male talent, uh, which includes their equal pay rate for, you know, entry level talents. uh, The people were behind it. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say they popped as loud for owe as they did for kenny omega but i think when uh scu laid down the challenge i think a lot of fans uh were putting two and two together and realizing that this is going to be like one of the um better matches on their double or nothing card the scu versus the owe guys uh so people were excited uh like i said i mean you know from from what you could hear at the actual uh thing uh you know streaming event if you were watching it it was uh Probably on the lower end of pops, but I do still think that people were excited. Now, you were also down in the media scrum afterwards before we move on to, to the Impact stuff. Was there anything that that popped out to you listening to the responses? Anything that Brandy or Cody or uh, Nick 
uh, Jackson, I believe, was also on the on the red carpet there. Said that they yes, grabbed your yes. attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, l- let me start with Cody and Nick. They went. Set- it was just Brandy, Cody, and Nick that did the scrum, and Cody and Nick uh, finished it. But it was just really touching to see Nick before anyone even popped off any questions. You know, talk about his journey, like remembering putting on wrestling events in his backyard. And he's like, now I'm staring at the MGM. I mean, it's a surreal moment. And I feel like even the media was uh, feeling really like happy about, uh, you know, there's this famous story about I forget if it's Nick or Matt, like going to buy a uh, like a dollar sandwich in an airport, not having the money in their bank account to do it. Uh, And now they're here, you know, uh, as executive VPs for their own wrestling promotion. So it really is a good story. And I think that could be felt. Cody, uh, you know, my this is my first time being, um, you know, interacting with him one on one. Uh, And it was kind of funny because when someone asked him a question about uh, him possibly competing at double or nothing, he jokingly said, well, obviously I'm going to book myself to win the title and be the face of the promotion. And then like quickly threw it off. Like, I think he's also aware of the possible, you know, of people being critics and saying like, Hey, uh, this, uh, you know, the, they're just going to book themselves to be like the, the top of the brand. And I think they're aware of that, which is why I don't think that they'll do it. And you can kind of get that sense from them because you could see that they are trying to, uh, you could see that they're trying to book, not even book, that they they have the right mindset not to uh, to have a better business sense than just making it a promotion that just highlights them. Uh, so I thought that was really, really cool, especially, uh, and, you know, Cody gave some great responses about uh, their vision for AEW and whatnot. Uh, and then Brandy, that uh, was my favorite part of the scrum because Brandy, uh, answered some great questions about, like I said, the entry-level contracts and what she considers entry-level to be. Like, why would, uh, you know, person A get paid more than person B? It all has to do with TV time. It all has to do with exposure. And they want to give new exposure to new talents. Uh, and again, I think that's a great way for them to uh, uh, label things so it doesn't seem like there's any special treatment for any uh, specific individual or roster member. Hmm. Yeah, it's tough for them, you know, right now trying to like nail down like what is what is uh, part time? What's a full time? You know, who gets health insurance? Or is it just executives? I feel like they're getting a little tired of all those questions, but uh, people are. Yeah, interested, I'm sure. Th- I'm know? sure they are, too. But I think I think it's because. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I just think it's. Yeah, people are interested in it. You know, that's why it keeps coming up. You know, I do think it keeps coming up. And I do think that uh, I'm, I'm sure they are sick of the questions, but I think that it just puts them on a good level because, you know, a lot of these horror stories that you hear that come from uh, ju- the the entire wrestling industry, but specifically WWE is um, like, are their superstars protected? Where are they protected? How are they protected? And I think a lot of, uh, you know, smart fans really want uh, their favorite uh, indie superstars to, you know, be protected and have the availability to work um different promotions if they want and not be held down by a promotion like other promotions have in the past. Um, but Brandy seemed very open to answering all the questions. Uh, and, uh, the, the best part was how kind, uh, all three of them were, um, Nick, Cody and Brandy, like they weren't, uh, dodging or avoiding any questions. They were happy to answer and they were happy to have us there. So uh, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. They're great. Mandy's great. Their PR person is great. Uh, so yes, thank you guys for having us out and, and awesome insight. So you go home, you go to Vegas, then you come back to L.A., you rest, and then you turn around and you go back to Vegas 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday this past week, uh, Impact Wrestling had their TV tapings for future Impact uh, for future Impact airings on the Pursuit Channel and Twitch. Now you didn't just get to go and experience this as like a press or a fan. You got to experience this as a VIP. Now I have also got to be a VIP. But what what was it like showing up? Like, what was your first impression of the VIP program? My first impression of the VIP program was, uh, I, I, like, literally right when I walked there, it just seemed like, oh, you know, I'm going to get to enter the arena a little bit earlier. But, you know, after going through the entire weekend, I could say that Impact the impact staff really treats the VIPs oh, man. Ju just like that. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it's not just the, the special perks that you get um, like all, and like all the fun activities they had and, you know, being able to have like prime seating for the events. They remember, you know, even superstars, they were remembering people's names. They were interacting like, um, you know, like they were like long lost friends that they hadn't seen. And even though it only had been like 24 hours from one event to the other. Uh, so it really did feel um, like uh, uh, it really did feel ho homely. Like they really did uh, make you feel like you were a part of the experience uh, and not just a fan, uh, which yeah. was re really fun. Yeah, man, I've done it. I'd like, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's crazy. Like, it's it's like a little bit more, but I I, I mean we're not just doing a shill here because we're not getting paid. We're just doing this because I thought you guys should get some insight into to how this works. But it's pretty legit. Like if you're gonna go to an impact taping or you're gonna take three days to go to Vegas, do the VIP thing. It's infinitely better. I would imagine. Oh, absolutely oh. too. You know, and like the the one uh, you know negative I'll talk about, and it's this is I'm saying this as someone who grew up in Las Vegas. The the casino that the uh, impact ran the event in uh, at Samstown is like you know it, it, it's kind of gives you a, a weird impression of what Vegas is because it's so far off from the strip and it's kind of uh, on the east side of town like away from downtown away from Fremont Street um, and it's a it's a fine casino it's just dandy I mean if you want to go play craps they they got everything that any other casino can afford uh, the Samstown Arena where the actual wrestling was held is probably the nicest part of the whole casino and hotel so oh. I'll just I'll just leave it at that uh, but uh, Impact definitely was the the talk of the casino <laughs> because uh, there's not really that much to do there besides go to the movies and go lose you know thousands of dollars on blackjack. Is that what you did when you weren't when you weren't doing your job? Were you losing lots? Yeah, so of I'm actually so I'm actually having this conversation with you from an alley uh, because I had to put my apartment up uh, for lease just to, to pay off some loan sharks. I can't name any names, uh, but I am walking with a crutch. If that makes sense. Man, I am a poker fiend. I fear for this double or nothing trip that I'm, I'll be going on here in May. I gotta I gotta behave myself. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like your experience of double or nothing is going to be entirely different than every other wrestling fan's experience. Uh, uh, after you paint that town red uh with my blood after they take my legs all right anyway um so before and after every taping you get in early there's also always photo opportunities which is great uh you get basically two photo ops every night one before one after which is awesome so we don't really need to touch on that the talent's all great so let's get to what before uh, before the friday tv tapings though they had this impact wrestling and nfl alumni las vegas chapter uh, pro wrestling hall of famer Floyd little was their press conference. What, what was up with this and what were they trying to accomplish with this? So, uh, impact is just partnering with the NFL alumni, or at least the Las Vegas chapter of the NFL alumni, 
Um, and I believe the partnership is to help uh, veterans of the NFL uh, just to make sure to to make sure that their mental health is probably is not probably is going to be in good condition going forward. So it's kind of a joint program to uh, care for like the uh, retired athletes uh, of the sport and they their partnership. You know, you can I mean, you could tell at the press conference like they were making it a big deal because, you know, like they had, a, you know, Hall of Famer Floyd Little there. You know, we played for the Broncos. Uh, he was signed from Syracuse. He's actually partly uh, his character is partly um, touched on in the movie The Express. And he is, uh, you know, and he was very happy to be there. He sat front row for the first night for the first uh, taping on Friday night. Um, and even one of his guys got involved in a storyline, which was super fun hmm. uh, with a little shoving match with uh, Ethan Page. I won't spoil anything from the event, but it's definitely something that's going to be on the more exciting end from one of the tapings. Interesting. Uh, and uh, and the, and the uh, but uh, I mean, so that, that's what their partnership is. They, they've been hyping it up for a while. Um, I, as a football fan, was like really excited to see Floyd Little. I feel like most of the casual wrestling fans that were there, uh, not didn't care, but just weren't as excited. Mm -hmm. There were a few pops every time they tried to name drop the Raiders. A lot of people are not excited about the Raiders going to Vegas. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it was definitely a, a great way to start the, uh, start the weekend, in my opinion. The Raiders are moving to Vegas? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, buddy. So the so the you know not to touch too much on this, but sure. Oakland is actually suing the football team because what? the Raiders has wanted to move from Oakland for the last two years, uh, and they have a stadium built, and it should be 2020 uh, when yeah. they officially begin their season there. It was part of the reason John Gruden got hired to such an extensive contract, but uh, you know, and Vegas is slowly trying to build up their sporting team i mean they just got the las vegas golden knights who were in the stanley cup last year uh they just got the new mls team the las vegas light and now they're gonna have the las vegas raiders but i don't know if you know about the raider fan base the Ra raider fan base is just a bunch of crazy people oh absolutely I mean, insane i know that i know the oh. raider fans are nuts I know they're off the. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, if you you could put if you put ECW fans and Raider fans in the same arena, like they'll, I mean, mur murder each other is not like it'll turn into full Lord of the Flies Mad Max situation where everyone's just like throwing feces and uh -huh. putting uh, skewer skewered heads on top of staffs. Uh -huh. um, hmm. So Vegas has uh, that to look forward to. So you know, I'm I'm very excited to see to go back to uh, visit family in Vegas uh, when the town's being run uh, by a bunch of Mad Maxes. Wow. All right, uh, so that's uh, that's what started before the Impact TV tapings. We've already got a hint of of that in the air with the football here. Now for night one, I don't want to give away spoilers here in this, but um, you know, you mentioned the Ethan Page Chevy match. Was there anything coming out of this first night of tapings that really caught your eye or or, or grabbed you? Uh, yeah. So they had. Um... I mean, the, the the match of the night on night one was they do the title rematch between uh, the Lucha Brothers and LAX. Uh, and this was the first time I ever actually got to see LAX live and in action, uh, you know, as a kind of not bandwagon impact fan, but I've honestly really only gotten into it from like the last six months, I would say. I never really watched too much TNA. Yeah. And it was really exciting to watch them in action just because I've always heard the one thing I had always heard about TNA and impact was LAX, and it was fun uh, as one of the great tag teams that's working in the business today, uh, and I 100% concur after seeing them in action. Uh, but it wasn't just them. There was a lot of 
there was some fun angle stuff that I won't spoil because it's all part of their three-day weekend plan that they had with Johnny Impact. Um, Killer Cross, who is from Las Vegas, was heavily cheered throughout the weekend, especially on night one. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my big memory from night one, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of, lo- a lot of good matchups, uh, and you know, a lot of matchups that I, if I talk too much about, I fear that I would reveal spoilers. Right. That's what I, uh, yeah. Just wanted to give people some teases here. Now, did they, how, what was attendance like? Were they sold out for the shows or no? Uh, for all three nights, I'd say the maximum they got to is about 90% full. Uh, mm-hmm. there may have been, I think on night three, there may have been a point where the entire thing was full, but by the end, either people had left I will say that by night three, uh, the energy of the crowd had gone down substantially. I think it was just because, uh, you know, you saw a lot of the same people there. And I think people were just exhausted from three long weekends of wrestling. Yeah. And and the final night of taping was definitely, you know, I mean, it's leading up to their uh, next big pay-per-view in Toronto. I mean, they got much more uh, weeks of television before that. But uh, it was definitely, it definitely kind of ended on a low because I think the first two nights were just uh, um, so much above standard. So uh, yeah, it was just a, but I'd say about like 80, 90% full throughout the entire weekend. So they did it. And they, and for the first two nights, the crowd was very energetic, very loud, very responsive. Uh, I will say that uh, there's a tag match with, between uh, Tommy dreamer, rich Swan and Willie Mack and they face OVE and I, swear to you that it is the best Tommy Dreamer match that I have seen in probably the last two or three years, at least, since he's really started getting back into it. Um, People were going nuts. A lot, a lot of fun spots, especially with him uh, being sharing the ring with a guy with guys who do a lot of high spots, a lot of high risk stuff. So watching him implement his old school ways into it made for some great comedy. And it also made for some uh, uh, great parallels um, in the matchup. Uh, wow. Uh, that's awesome. I'm stoked to hear that. Um, now, let me, let me get back on track here a little bit. Now that was the end of the day one, right? Photo ops, you come back for, for day two and that match you just talked about, that wasn't, was that night one or was that night two or three? That was uh night two actually. Night two. I'm sorry. I was ju- jumping ahead of myself. I was kind of giving a whole consensus of the weekend, but <laughs> okay. night one, it's okay. uh, yeah, I'm just trying to parse it down because I want to make sure to get in the uh, the two events that I most did. Well, I'll talk about the first one here. Trivia. Saturday before the tapings is trivia. Now, when I got to do trivia, I'm dumb. I really am just a dumb person. I love this kind of stuff. I love feeling like I'm at summer camp. Playing trivia. Sure, confirm. <laughs> right. Yes, thank you. Playing trivia with Impact Wrestling superstars and, and their, their VIP fans. I had a blast with that. What was your experience like playing trivia with these guys? We definitely all had a blast. Uh, there was about, I think, 15 or 20 of the VIPs that showed up for trivia. We got to play trivia with um, KM, uh, Falaba, uh, one of the uh, Impact refs who uh, the fans have dubbed Baby Ref just because he has um, a very – he's a very tiny man, and he's got like a – when, when he's clean shaven, he looks like – yeah, he looks like he could be nine years old. Right. Um yeah, yeah, which is funny because I'm sure I saw him, like, you know, smashing tequila and, like, going in the strip club the most out of anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, uh, there was one other there was one other person. I believe it was a, 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 either Alicia Edwards or Allie. I want to say it was Alicia Edwards that played with us. And trivia was fun. I will say that the questions were uh, a little bit, like, not going to say uh, bordering ridiculous, but, I mean, one of the questions was, like, which impact – star has like a um 
like a, a birthmark like on their foot. So and like they gave us multiple choice options. So like even if you didn't absolutely know, like there was a good chance that you could guess. But those were like the level of questions that there were. I mean, things that you 100 percent would not have known, even if you were a deep fan of of the business. I think they did it that way mm. to get a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Maybe too challenging. Was a real fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, KM KM was definitely uh, the jokester among everything because he just kept yelling out ridiculous answers that were not even on the uh, not even one of the choices to be made. Yeah. Um, but it would def- but it was but it was a lot of fun. Uh, the winner ended up being this uh, young man whose family travels from Wyoming, and they were at all three nights of the taping, and I got to sit uh, next to them one night, and they were a lot a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, and he beat his dad in the final round, and then gave his dad. A very uh, a very stiff Pentagon chop to the uh, to the chest. So it's nice to see that there's heat going on even in Wyoming. <laughs> Damn. All right. And and Ross Foreman, uh, who was the head of Impact PR, he was doing the he's the question master master, right? He, he has- was the question master. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of the, like Bot KM uh, and even Alicia were uh, kind of. Like giving him some, giving him some smack for the, for the level of questions that he asked. But I'll tell you what, Ross is, Ross is a very enthusiastic dude and he was proud of the questions. Uh, So it was nice to just see him stand behind his work and not, uh, and not submit to the, to to the talent. Hmm. Um, But, uh, and he was, uh, you know, just to talk about Ross was fantastic all weekend. I mean, he was one of those guys uh, that was always shaking hands with the VIPs, remembering people by name, uh, him and Ashley. I mean, they were both really, really great. And the way they treated everybody, including me, uh, you know, made everyone feel great. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that pretty much kind of puts the, the cap on trivia. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. We did it right, literally right around the corner, um, from where the entrance to the arena was. Um, so there were a few people like walking by us in bath towels because it was also the entrance to the pool. So oh, nice. it was a uh, yeah, kind of kind of exciting, kind of okay. like you never knew what was going to happen. Okay. Um, and then everybody, by the way, also VIPs, you all get to sit front row, which is great. You know, which night was front it? row? Yes, front row. Which night was it that Eddie Edwards fell into your lap? What was the story behind that? Night number one. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I sat next to uh, the on the very first night. I sat. I just wanted to have a good side angle of the. Um, of the stage, and I was also trying to sit closer to Floyd Little because, you know, I was hoping I could ask him to be in my wedding party, yeah. uh, which he's going to get back to me on that, so we'll see. Mm. Um, but I sat next to uh, a, a young man and his grandfather, um, and it was the kid's first show, and I said, and I even forewarned him, I was like, well, you got to be careful, little man, because, you know, sometimes <laughs> these guys, they just land right in your lap. Uh, and then uh, during a matchup between... Eddie Edwards, and I think it was Ethan Page. I'm trying to remember that one in particular, but Edwards fell back first right into uh, the barricade, um, and the kid was standing up on the barricade. So, like, him and I were both did the patented, uh, you know, fan tapping on the shoulder, trying to cheer on the guy they want to win move. Um, And we got a great camera angle of uh, the three of us, too, uh, which, you know, if we ever decide to start a band, will be our band photo. Um, but that kid's not really a very good singer. Anyway, I digress. Sure. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we we got a full uh, we got a full taste of uh, Mr. Eddie Edwards right in front of us. Okay, uh, that, that's just awesome. I love when stuff that happens. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up here. The last night, Sunday night, final night of action. Uh, before you get to go and watch the action, you got to go bowling with Pentagon Junior, Phoenix, and LAX. That's quite an experience there. Uh, tell me all about it. Uh, I mean, it's as advertised. It was just as fun. Now, 
I, I, a lot of the VIPs were just like, you know, excited to be sharing the day with the uh, Impact Stars, but not a lot of them were very confident in their bowling. I was on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was like, listen, I'm here to hang out with these guys. I'm also here to kick some ass. And when you're growing up in Las Vegas, there's and you're under 21, there's not a lot for you to do except go bowling and go to the movies. Yeah. So I went there and I went ready to win. Uh, so the way it worked was you would have three of the VIP guests plus one wrestler on your, um, on your lane. So it would be usually four people to a lane. So like three VIPs and then the wrestler would go. But pretty much the entire, it wasn't like just exclusive to that wrestler. I mean, wrestlers were walking around, talking with each other. Um, Ross and Pentagon were in this like huge uh, bowling battle. I mean, everyone would talk smack every time they like marked or had a strike. Um, so that was, a, that was a lot of fun. I also sent you a picture of Ross's outfit that day, which yeah. was the uh, talk of the town. Um, because I've never seen a, a cacti uh, fanny pack before, but I tell you what, I want to get five of them after watching that guy swag them out. Um, and uh, uh, but yeah, but I mean, uh, but like the atmosphere was super fun. Uh, they were obviously happy to take pictures with everybody that was hanging out there, uh, and it helped. Um, it helped that uh, all of them were uh, pretty game to to try to try and win this bowling thing. How was uh, how was Phoenix? Did he did he uh, talk about his injury at all? I know this was a couple of days after he had been injured at AEW. He did not. I was gonna try. I like. I felt like asking him, but he was. You know, like I think the LAX versus Lucha Brothers probably gonna be one of the main events for like one of the. You know, it was night one that they wrestled, and he see. I mean, he was taking. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, like he was taking as much offense as he normally does. And I didn't see him, um, like hold back any of his offense that he normally delivers. Uh, so he seems like he's okay. okay. Uh, he did, he did limit his dives during the matchup. That's not to say that he doesn't still do high risk stuff. Uh, especially if he, I, I, I mean, he injured his neck, right? I forgot what it was. From it was a head neck injury. I don't think that I ever got a, a complete accurate analysis right 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 i mean i remember i mean i remember like he they said that he was okay and he was released from the hospital but i mean you know i mean if you take a suplex you're pretty much landing close to your neck and he so he seemed fine i mean it didn't seem to um uh hinder him in any way um but him and pentagon were both in super high spirits for for bowling uh everyone got to take pictures uh pentagon kicked me over when i was doing my little adagio balance move uh i got some real heat i showed him my tattoo i told him i'm gonna get it removed uh, and they thought that was pretty funny. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then it was just Ortiz, and Santana was down there, but Ortiz was the only one who was bowling. Um, and Tessa was walking around, Conan bowled. Uh, there was uh, a couple other stars that were kind of just like hanging out just to be with the people. Uh, definitely the highlight of the perks from the uh, from the VIP weekend, though, was was going bowling. Yeah, oh, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right, well, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in it there, Joey. I want to. Thank you for coming on, recapping your adventures out in the field. To have you back uh, when these things come along, or just when I want to talk wrestling with you. Um, but uh, very cool, guys. Can go check it out, impactwrestling.com. Every time they do TV tapings, every time they do pay per views, you too can be a VIP and all the cool stuff that you heard here, uh, Joey, talk about. You can be a part of it as well, uh, Joey. Where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, and meet your many adventures on the internet? Oh, I mean, tell them to just keep uh, coming on Wrestling Inc. They could see me doing live coverage for 205. I do coverage for MLW, which is a 
a show that actually features a lot of Impact stars. So if you're an Impact fan, I suggest you watch MLW. Uh, Lucha Brothers are also there. Tommy Dreamer is also there. Um, and then I'm also doing coverage now for Women of Wrestling, which is on mm. Axis. Oh, boy. Uh, and, th and that's on Friday. Uh, and also, I'd just like to recommend that show very much just because it's a lot of fun. It's a completely different flavor than a lot of other wrestling shows that are on. And there you can see Impact star Tessa Blanchard. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with watching some more uh, Tessa matches. But besides that, I'm on Twitter at RamJam. Uh, and, uh, and that's it, man. Thank you very much, Mr. Nick. You know, it's always a pleasure, and I uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you very much to Brian Pillman for the time with both Andy and I. Thank you, Joey G, for all of your insights into what it is like to be an Impact VIP. And thank you, Justin, for joining me here for another Winkly. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm not uh, sure exactly what interview uh, I'll be dropping tomorrow, um, but it'll be a, we're gonna have a fun we're gonna have a fun end of the week. I will tell you that I got a uh, tickets to an early screening of Fighting with My Family for tonight here in Chicago, so I'm gonna be taking my girlfriend to go see that tonight. So tomorrow on the show, Justin, I'll be able to to talk a bit about the movie, what I thought about the movie. Try not to spoil anything, um, but that'll be on tomorrow's show. Uh, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, and all those great things, Justin? Uh, follow me on social media at Justin Labar, and I have the links now. I want to let everybody know. Um, and that WrestleMania day, I will be teaming up with one of the most successful, uh, MetLife stadium tailgaters. His name is tailgate Joe. You can check it out. Tailgatejoe.com. But we're going to be doing a huge tailgate right outside of MetLife. So you don't have to worry about uh, get there early. You'll be just a few steps away from the gates. And for 55 bucks, you can register and get in there and you get all you, all you can eat and all you can drink. Um, and obviously spots are limited. And then there's the up these the upper end where you can pay $455 and that gets you your own private tent, beer pong table, your own private keg, get your buddies and all. If you got a large group to help chip in to cover that cost, but uh, 55 bucks, uh, the, the, the specifics of what parking lot and everything uh, are on tailgatejoe.com. And uh, there's a code use a 17, a one, seven, a that's the code uh, that I have that you can put in uh, when you go to purchase, but I highly encourage it. If you've never been to MetLife, there's not a lot of things around it. It's not like, not like New Orleans where Bourbon Street was just a few steps away from, from Mania's venue. So if you want to do something, hang out, load up on food and beer for a lot cheaper of a price than the, inside the stadium, I highly encourage you to join me this year uh, at the tailgate. Man, now I'm hungry. I'm, we got to end. I got to go eat. That made me very hungry. That was <laughs> that induced my stomach to to want to go put something in it. Uh, and one of the beer and one of the beers we're gonna have is a local a local brew, and you can read about that on the website as well. I know you. I know you and your your your, your brew. So that's for you. I, I heard the private keg, and it did pique my ears up a bit. There, I was like, a keg is about 144 beers. I think that's a lot of beer. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah, but it makes sense if, if you know if you got five or ten people, and you guys want or more, and you guys want to play beer pong, and yeah, I mean, it really it's kind of. 455 bucks. I mean, to have your own little private space and have beer pong. And again, you can invite whoever you want over there. It's, it's up to you to get your money back and have them you know, throw a few bucks in a pot. It's it's kind of worth it when you really think about it, especially if you think about how much beer you can get out of that and fill up your beer pong cups to keep playing versus what it would cost just to have a beer inside of MetLife. You know, and, and if you're going to do the beer pong thing, you know, drink your <laughs> beer, but use water in the beer pong glasses and then drink the beer after the, the, the ball goes in the cup. It's much more sanitary is what I'm saying. It's gross. But I I'm, I'm, I love beer pong. I'm good at beer pong. And it kind of grosses me out sometimes, though. No, you are right. Actually, I think even in the professional beer pong tournaments, I use water. Yeah, and then you got to, yeah, well, yeah, professionals, you got to be sober to play beer pong, right? I guess. I don't that, know. that takes away the whole point of it, though, is being <laughs> sober trying to play and see if you're 
coordination sticks. Just pong now. What are we talking about? All right, guys, this is a pro wrestling. It's been the pro wrestling <laughs> discussion. It's been the Winkly. Uh, you can use hashtag Winkly. Oh, tomorrow, Justin, I, I did get some responses to the hashtag. You might be a pro wrestler if uh, uh, gimmick that we did. So we'll read some of those on the show tomorrow as well. So uh, I'll try to do a mailbag on Thursdays going forward. So if you want to use hashtag Winkly, I'll check that tomorrow. We'll pull some tweets. We'll do it at the end of the show. Uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. I am Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.